Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros, and I am your host today. Uh, thank you so much for carving some time out of your busy day. I know that um, we have so many items going on that it is sometimes hard to find time in our busy day, but I'm always honored because I always say time is that one commodity that you just can't get back. So when someone spends time with you, be sure to be grateful. So I recently read an article. The title of the article was The Importance of Being Intentional. This was an article I found in Soar to Success magazine. Um, The article says, the root of the word intentional is intent. In a business setting, being intentional is to act in a deliberate way to guide our business to success. And that, among other things, is what we're going to be talking about today with Anne Ranson. So Anne is an intentional coach, a nonprofit strategy consultant and facilitator. Anne helps you find your motivation and achieve success. She says her gift is to see through the chaos and find the the clearest path forward. Boy, I tell you, don't we have some chaos in our life sometimes. So please help me in welcoming Anne to the show. Anne, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Linda. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I am really glad for you to be here as well, Anne, because what we're going to be talking about today is something that someone can implement into their personal life. Um, They can also implement it in their career if they're still in corporate, but it's also very helpful for those entrepreneurs, those that are wanting to um, maybe cut the ties of that that paycheck that kind of anchors them into the corporate world. So, Anne, before we get started, tell us a little bit about um, your history and What drew you to this particular coaching field? Well, thank you, Linda. Um, Well, I started my professional life in the radio industry. Um, In in my mid-20s, my sister was working for a radio station and uh, as a secretary, and she decided to leave and asked me if I wanted to come apply for the job, and I did, and um, I got the job. And um, at that time, I was starstruck (laughs) with the whole thing. I mean, these were like celebrities. Uh, It was a radio station that I actually listened to. And uh, so I had a just 
brilliant, fabulous career in the radio industry, almost 30 years. I started as a secretary. I went into sales. Then I went into management. I was in the marketing side. Uh, People often ask me if I was on the air. That's usually the first question Mm -hmm. if I don't say. And I say, okay, listen to me talk, (laughs) and then ask that question again. Mm -hmm. And I tell the story that soon after I'd started working at the radio station, the production guy came in and he said, I need a female voice for a spot I'm cutting. Would you do the, uh, would you read it? And I said, oh, yes, of course, you know, again, I'm still in show business, and it's like, oh, this is my debut. And um, so we go into the production studio, and um, we get through the spot. I was never, (laughs) never once in 30 years was I asked to cut another commercial. So I think that kind of gave me a clue that that wasn't my calling in this lifetime so <laughs> that's, a, that's a great that's a great story um, because we all have those accents that we grew up around. Um, but I have to tell you, Anne, I, I grew up in the South, so your accent's very comforting to me. It feels like oh. home. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Well, when I started doing public speaking, and I'm kind of getting ahead of your story here, but um, somebody said to me, well, you know, you're going to have to do something about that accent. Mm. And it was like, and what what do you mean? (laughs) And they said, you know, like go to addiction coach or something because your accent. And I said, you know, this is who I am. I am Mm -hmm. a fourth-generation Texan. And I am not going to go to diction school. So to your point, I'm glad you find it comforting. (laughs) Well, now that you've talked a little bit about, you've teased us just a little bit about being a speaker, kind of expand on that just a little bit. Well, let me go back and pick up the thread here of how I got Mm -hmm. from radio into this. And then the rest of this will all kind of come together. Um, I'd moved to Washington, D.C. I live in Dallas. I'd moved to Washington, D.C. I had some family up there, but was still in the radio industry. And um, then my son and I decided to move back to Dallas, and I had a couple of people that had been attending some classes. I'd been doing some spiritual discussion groups in my home, and one of the women asked me um, if I would do some coaching with her. And I heard myself say, oh, yes. And then after she left, it was like, oh, my God, I'm I'm not a trained coach. Um, Yes, I'm one of those people that in the businesses, companies, stations where I worked, people came to me for advice, but, again, no training. Then the same thing happened with um, a company that I had been collaborating with. I was talking to the CEO one day, and she said, oh, my God, you're such a good coach. Would you do some coaching with us? And I said, yes. (laughs) And so at this point, panic completely set in. But here's the underlying story. It wouldn't have mattered if my heart and soul had been fulfilled in my work. But what I had begun to realize in the last few years of my radio career, and it was fabulous. I'm blessed, grateful, thank you, thank you. But I didn't feel like I was making a difference in the world. 
Mm-hmm. I worked a lot in the automotive category, and I thought, you know, helping Chevrolet sell one more car surely cannot be the depth of a difference that I can make. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of underpinning what was going on within me when these two different people asked me to do coaching with them. Mm-hmm. Um, foolishly, ignorantly, um, I just quit my job. Mm-hmm. And to anybody listening, please don't do it that way. Um, you know, have a plan, you know, know what you're doing, know what you're getting into. But it was at that point that I left the radio industry and struck out on my own, went to training to become a coach, and then began to do speaking and some consulting. So that's kind you know, of how that transition happened. I have to tell you that at, for a minute there, I thought you were telling my story because, uh, oh. but I do believe, Anne, that we, you know, there comes a point in our life where we reflect and go, oh my gosh, because most of my listeners know I spent 30 plus years in corporate banking. And the last year, I felt like the security badge around my neck was getting heavier and heavier every uh. day. And like you, I did not have a plan. But when I went in to tell my boss, hey, I think I'm going to leave, he said, so are you, where are you going? Are you going to another company? What are you going to do? And it was as though someone else entered the room and said, I don't know, but it has to be more purposeful. Aha. Uh-huh. He said, Linda, what does that mean? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. But I, like you, I felt like... Um, life had to have been more than me just pushing paper with a you know with amounts that had lots of zeros after it yeah. and i i didn't have a clue as to what that was so you know some of you listeners you may be listening going you know i've started feeling like Maybe I have a, a calling. And it wasn't that my banking career, just like you, it wasn't that my career was, was, um, was not fulfilling at one point in my life. But I think yeah. that our purpose changes over time. So, Anne, talk to me a little bit more about how you got, became certified as, uh, as a coach and now you're speaking. So what did you, how did you decide what your topics were going to be? How did you decide what direction you wanted your coaching to go into? Well, well I'd, li- I'd like to say, um, again, that I had some well-laid-out strategy. <laughs> So everything I'm about to say, please don't ever, don't don't do don't do as I did, do as I say, um, and of course I I do things much differently today than I did. Let's see, what was that? 2006, so 17 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It started with finding a coaching school that I um, thought was credible and uh, that I liked what their mission and their approach. And it was interesting. It's a company called Coach for Life. And um, I thought I was going there to learn more about being a business coach. And what I learned was the spiritual 
the spiritual component that resides within every human, whether they're a business person or not. So it's when people ask me today, and I say I'm a coach, and they'll say, oh, life coach or business coach? Uh Mm Uh-huh. Yes, it's both of the Because every person, every business person, every executive is also a human being. Um, And so, you know, in a way, those early years are a bit of a blur about why I did what I did, because there's no logic or strategy. I just followed my gut. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it led me in great directions, and sometimes I would get fearful, and then I would go in directions that were not so fruitful. I spent mm-hmm. thousands of dollars with experts that were going to help me do this, that, or the other. And um, they they were they had no ROI, and I don't blame that completely on the program or that person it's that I hadn't prepared myself Um, I shared with you earlier my brother as he became an entrepreneur years before I did I remember him one time saying that entrepreneurship is the greatest spiritual school you'll ever attend Mm -hmm. because all of your stuff comes up And so in those early days, I was dealing with my issues, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of us have, all of our issues, all of my fears were coming up, as well as so it was almost like, in retrospect, um, fits and starts is a phrase that comes to mind. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. I'm saying that accurately, but Mm -hmm. it's like I would gain momentum and I'd move in a direction until I would lose steam, and then it's like, oh, okay, and then I'd go over here, and I'd do something else, and a lot of those early years was like that. I have a spiritual practice of sitting. I've since learned that's really what mindfulness is. I didn't have Mm -hmm. a fancy word for it, and so over the last 15 years or so, I've really built such um, trust and strength in listening because I believe we all have access to, you know, whatever the higher realms, whatever people call those, whether it's a faith-based thing or it's the universe. Um, I believe we all have guidance if we'll sit quietly and listen. And so I think that's one of the things I've gotten really right over the years is learning to sit and listen and then trust. Mm. Mm. Now, it doesn't you know, mean that it's been a straight uh, path oh, right, to success. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Anne, I was talking to the president of a company that I work with, and um, he became president about five years ago and has taken this company to such uh, success that it, it's never seen before. And I was on the phone with him the other day, and he said, you know, Linda, I had someone say to me the other day that they felt that I made decisions very intuitively. Mm. He said, do you think that's right? He said, I've never thought about it. Do you think that's right? And I said, you know, I read something the other way, uh, the other day. I want to say it was uh, a quote by Warren Buffett talking about how listening to your gut 
and being intuitive as a business person is one of the best talents and skills that a leader can have. It's kind of what you're describing. Yeah. Well, and isn't it fabulous that the business world, the traditional business world, is finally realizing empathy, gut, Mm. all of these things. These are skills that you cannot train or buy. Yeah. And so... Why not rely on those? And as as you're seeing with your your colleague mm-hmm. or your mm-hmm. client, you know, mm-hmm. it, and it pays off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, tell me a little bit about you know we've talked about your coaching, we've talked about uh, how you got there. When you're working with a client. And what does that look like for them? And what is your perfect client? Well, um, my coaching practice has evolved, as do most things, over this many years. And now my coaching is uh, very strength-based, and that's a technical term. Um, In the early 2000s, a man by the name of Don Clifton and his colleague Marcus Buckingham began doing some research to identify what are the strengths that translate into success. At the time, Don Clifton owned the Gallup Poll, which most of us are familiar with, Mm -hmm. and um, he decided that he could go into his data and determine the success factors. And so as he started going through the data, which you can imagine, Gallup probably has trillions of pieces of Mm -hmm. data, he said, you know, I'm asking the wrong question because what it takes to be a successful CPA is different than what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur or a successful prima ballerina. Mm -hmm. So he went back into the data, and then together with Marcus, they ended up identifying 34 strengths that we all have in some combination. And so I took some training. I guess it's been about 10 or 15 years ago with a company in Dallas named Core Clarity. They're licensed by uh, the Gallup Strengths um, tool. And um, so it is the foundation for all my coaching. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Clifton died, Marcus Buckingham moved along, but Gallup still owns all of the strengths uh, data. And so anybody can go to Gallup Strengths, I think it's a .com, and order an assessment for like 30 bucks, and it tells you what your top five strengths are. So, so and when you're talking oh, about strengths, are you talking about personality strengths? No, I don't think they would describe them as personality strengths. For example, mm-hmm. I'll tell you my top five strengths. Empathy, mm-hmm. connectedness, strategic, maximizer, relator. Mm-hmm. So empathy, I think most of us know what that is. I'm able to, um, fortunately and unfortunately sometimes, I'm able to easily read a room. If I walk mm-hmm. into a room and there's just been an argument, it's like, okay, something's up. And I, mm-hmm. I can feel that. Um, connectedness is about seeing connections in people, 
in circumstances, in networking, but it's also this belief that there's something bigger and higher than we are. Mm-hmm. Strategic is, you know, pretty obvious. That's where I think that gift of me being able to see through a lot of chaos to the clearest path forward mm-hmm. comes from. Maximizer, that's my perfectionist. It's like, it could be better, it could be better, it could be better. And that's mm-hmm. where I've got to go back and shut my uh, gut down a little bit and say, okay, this is good enough. And then Relator is about developing relationships. The philosophy is that when we operate from our strengths, we're happier, more productive, we are more engaged, and it's, it's different than what many of us who've been around the corporate world for a good while have experienced. The old way is, you know, you start a job, they give you a bunch of different assessments, they bring it back and they say, Linda, gosh, you are great with people, but you're not good at detail, so we're going to send you to a school on Excel spreadsheets. Right. Oh, well, that, that was me. That was me. <laughs> they want, you, you, just, you just took a little snapshot out of my corporate world. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, that's what, and, and, and then how demoralizing is that? Because yeah. the person who does not have a strength of detail will never be as good. You can send me to 100 Excel spreadsheet classes. I'll never be as good as the person who naturally there is a strength called analytical. Chances are they're always going to be better than me, even though I really like Excel spreadsheets. Mm. And so when, I, when I'm coaching somebody, that's the first step. They take the assessment, and then we talk through the results of their top five strengths. How mm-hmm. does that show up in their life? Um, and it's important for your listeners as well as the people I work with Strengths are always strengths. We have a tendency, I don't know why, I guess it's the societal impact and negativity and judgment and fear, is we look at that, those top five strengths, and we look at empathy and we think, oh, well, who cares anything about empathy? That's Mm -hmm. just a bunch of, you know, hooey. And we begin to discount or not see the validity of these different strengths. And so, you know, it's it's only literally in the last few days, Linda, that I'm realizing I work with a lot of different tools, but I'm just realizing they all have to do with self-discovery. Mm. Because until we know who we are, at least at this moment in time, how can we know the answer to where do I want to be, what do I want to be doing. Is this a good investment for me? If I'm considering franchising, is this a good, um, does this fit my lifestyle, I think was one of the things when we were visiting. I mean, Mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur, people go, oh, wow, how cool is that? You get to set your own (laughs) schedule. Well, Well, in a manner of speaking, yes. But um, one of the big shifts I had to go through was I'd always had a corporate structure around me. Mm -hmm. I had accountants and lawyers, and, you know, if I ran into trouble, 
I just turn, or I turn to a colleague and say, help me talk this through. What's going on here? What do I need to do? Now I turn around and I look in the mirror and say, okay, <laughs> Ann, what are we going to do? So um, now I'm not complaining. I love my life, but there are a lot of misconceptions that are out there about mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur. You know, Anne, one of the things that I found out early on, just like what you're describing, uh, I said, you know, the great thing about being an entrepreneur is that you can do anything you want. Do you know the downside of being an entrepreneur (laughs) is that you can do anything that you want. Yes, yes. You can be lost in the wilderness for weeks and months and years. Yeah. Absolutely, and come out on the other side and go, what was that about? Yeah. (laughs) So when you're working with your candidates and your clients and they have taken the assessment, um, do you help them in identifying, you know, we were talking about intentions. Uh, When I came out of 30-plus years in corporate, and I didn't know what my intention was. I was just, um, I was so naive that all I knew was banking. So when you work with them and they find their strengths, are you able to help them with what is their intention? How do they start this journey of self-discovery? Well, of course, everyone's in it for different reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, and so... Uh, one of the misunderstandings about being a coach or about coaching, uh, kind of like entrepreneurship, there's a lot of myths about that. Coaching has, uh, particularly after the Great Recession or whatever they call it in 2008, eight, nine, mm-hmm. you know, so many executives and highly skilled people were on the streets. And so everybody started putting out coaching and consulting signs in front of their house, well, kind of figuratively. And Mm -hmm. um, the truth is, this is my my training and my understanding. Coaching is the art of inquiry. Mm. It is not me telling you what to do. Mm. Because if I tell you what to do, you haven't learned anything about why you had been doing it differently or why it was a problem to you. I don't have the answers. You have the answers. And my job as the coach is to listen and probe for what's underneath the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's empathy serves mm-hmm. me very well in my coaching mm-hmm. practice. But mm-hmm. I'm also listening for what people don't say. And I think sometimes, I don't know if it's that I have that skill better than anybody or if I just think it's more important than some people, but I often find a lot more juice um, in what isn't said. You know, if you're talking about relationships, you're married and you've never once mentioned your spouse, Uh, really. mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what's that about? No judgment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not my place to to judge anything and fortunately I'm I, I work very hard to not be judgmental in my own life much less when I'm working with a client so I think that while I don't have 
yet. Uh, I'm kind of on a path to developing a coaching program. It's it's I've I have found most people that I have coached it's a evolution. Our relationship as coach and client is a bit of an evolution because often they come thinking they need something. And they'll say, mm-hmm. this is the, the, you know, I'm I'm worried about this or I'm not succeeding at that. And then in the ensuing conversations, it's revealed that really that's not what it is. You know, that there's an underlying issue perhaps mm-hmm. that needs attention. And, mm-hmm. you know, because we can have the biggest dreams set the most fabulous intentions, but if our consciousness is in another direction, then our chances for success are limited. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if I'm able to connect more at the consciousness level of what's really going on here, not what does it look like on the earth plane, but what's really going on here, that's where I feel like I can be of great service. Absolutely. You know, and I need to take a quick commercial break, but um, when we come back, I know that my listeners are like me. We love stories. Do you happen to have maybe a couple of stories of some clients that you've worked with that you could share when we come back? Okay. Okay. Very good. So folks, hang on. We'll be right back with more from Ann Ranson. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come, contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here, and my guest is Ann Ranson. And Ann, we were talking about how sometimes people think that they want to achieve something, but there's actually maybe an underlying script that's going on at all times that isn't what they expected. And you said that you happen to have a few stories that you might be able to share with us. Well, um, 
I guess the um, story that comes to mind is actually an executive team that I have been working with over the last couple of years that, um, you know, kind of opened my eyes a little bit in a different way, which I always love because, um, you know, when you're held up as a speaker or consultant, you know, you're like a subject matter expert. Well, I don't think of myself as an expert, not that I'm not quite knowledgeable, I don't say that to criticize myself, but I'm a seeker. I'm a learner, Mm -hmm. so I always Mm -hmm. want to be learning new things. Anyway, I had uh, begun working with a group here in Dallas and uh, was working with their CEO, and I was telling him about strengths and how they worked and how they might be beneficial in a group dynamic with his executive team. And he was new to the organization. Most of the uh, others on his leadership team had been there for quite a number of years. And so um, we talked about it, and he said, okay, let's, let's put the whole leadership team through your program. Um, everybody did the assessment. I did a one-on-one debrief with each person. We talked about their strengths, how that showed up mainly in their business, a little bit, uh, you know, about in their life. And then we began doing some group training programs. And um, in one particular program, I had asked them to think about everyday situations that, that occur around the office and how strengths might play a role in that. <clears throat> and one of the most soft-spoken people on the team raises her hand and she said, you know, the other day I was in the CFO, I went into the CFO's office to have a conversation about this situation. And, you know, the way he responded was kind of matter of fact and, you know, then I was afraid to say any more and so she had this whole story, right? That's what mm-hmm. we do. We make up a story. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is what's going on right now. He doesn't really like me or he doesn't mm-hmm. like my idea, etc. And so the man's sitting right there. I mean, they're six feet away from each other. <clears throat> He's handling it very well. He's not getting defensive or anything. And I said, okay. So as an aside, let me say that I think the language of strengths gives us a way to describe our differences without judgment. Gives us language to use to describe our differences without judgment. So what do I mean by that? So now we're back in this scenario. And so I said, okay, how could you have used your knowledge of his strengths before you went into that meeting to prepare yourself? And so then she's, you know, kind of scrambling to look in her packet because she had everyone's strengths. Everybody had everyone's Mm -hmm. strengths. Mm -hmm. And so she said, oh, yeah, okay. And so then the CFO is also looking, you know, at the pieces of paper. And so you could just see people's faces begin to soften and shift a little bit. It's like, oh, wait, how, what, what, what? Mm-hmm. And so then she reframed the whole situation. And instead of going in to the meeting defensive, because she already thought that he wasn't going to like what she was going to talk to him about. Mm-hmm. And so by using his strengths, And using that language, going into the CFO and saying, 
David, I know you're analytical, and I know this, that, and the other is important to you, but I have this other consideration that I'd like for you to make. Well, I mean, both of them, well, I mean, there were tears by the end of this meeting, let me just say, in this executive team, because they got it. It landed, because one of the things about strengths is it uses everyday words. So, Mm -hmm. like, I did Myers-Briggs, days Mm -hmm. of training, never did understand that. Yeah, yeah. Strengths is understandable, and when you say David, I know you're analytical, and so I've tried to provide what I know your analytical mind needs, but here's some other considerations. There's no judgment in that. Right. There's no defensiveness. There's no reason to get defensive. This is just one piece of info, one person sharing information in a way another person can more readily hear it. Isn't that interesting, Anne? Because I remember when I was in corporate, and um, um, some of the other assistants and team members would come to me and say, Linda, I have reached out to the president uh, of this division time and time, and they won't respond, but you always get a response. So when I sent an email, I made sure it was very short. It was not a paragraph. It was very short. It would have a line at the top that say, hey, check this out, tell me which one of these you want me to do next, and do bullet points. Yeah. Because they don't want to read, they're fast, you know, they're moving fast, Uh and just give me bullet points. So it's almost like once you find the communication style that someone has, doesn't that make the relationship even better than you could imagine? Oh, yeah. And if we pay attention, and that's a big if, because we're moving a 1,000 miles an hour. Right. And so um, one of my personal pet peeves is how, I don't think this is a word, how unpresent people Mm. are in the grocery store. Mm. Mm. they have no idea there's anybody else in the store. They're right. on their phone. They're running their buggy up and down. They're not paying attention to anybody around them. So, you know, you get caught. You know, you're trying to get down an aisle, and somebody's talking on their phone. And so I won't, <laughs> I won't continue down that path, but people are not present, and therefore we don't see what's going on. I don't see that, oh, you're busy, I should bullet point this, because I'm thinking about me. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about you. And so I think your point about once we understand somebody a little better, and that's strengths is a beautiful tool for that. Mm -hmm. But I want to come back to your word, and that's Mm -hmm. intention. Yeah. So that was actually the name of my first company. And, in fact, I still have the company. It's called Intentions Work. Mm. And it's a double entendre. I mean, intentions do work, and it's the work of intentions. But so much of what I do is also to help people through the coaching or the consulting 
speaking, whatever, is to set intentions. And some people kind of struggle with that word. Is that the same thing as goals? Well, it's kind of the same thing. It has a different energetic feel to me personally. Goals kind of seem remote. This is within me. They just, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, one of these days I want to do X, Y, or Z. But if I say I intend to do something, mm. maybe it's not a blood oath, but darn, that's a commitment. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the beautiful things about the whole idea of using intention in our day-to-day lives around what's really important to us. Because, you know, we're all, you can't pick up anything without seeing something around how busy we are, how stressed we are, how anxious we are. Um, And I have to stop and say to myself as well, and who's in charge of that? Mm. I'm in charge Mm. of that. You know, I may not be able to uh, control whether somebody cuts me off on the freeway but I can control my reaction to it, right? Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure we, we came back to intention because I think it's such an important point you bring. So when we're talking about intention, and like I, um, the, the quote from the, the magazine, uh, I'd not heard this magazine before, Soar to Success. I love that no, name. Yeah. <laughs> but it talks about, you know, intention being really important uh, especially when you're growing your business. So intention and being deliberate when you're growing a business to success. Uh, I think you talked a little bit about how in your career, everything was great until maybe some fear set in and you made a decision that may not have come from your gut um, and it may not have turned out quite so well. So when you're working with someone who's building a business and you're helping them with intention in building that business, what are some of the areas that you would say, now we really need to roll up our sleeves here and we need to get intentional about these things? Great question. have to ponder that a second. Um, Well, just as the philosophy, and that's what it's called, Don Clifton's called the father of strength psychology, um, is based on positivity. You know, what are your strengths? It's not, we don't care what your weaknesses are. We're not here to work on those. We're here to work on your strengths. And I think it's the same kind of thing when it comes to helping people move through difficulties mm-hmm. is... I don't spend a lot of time on the difficulties. We want to identify them and perhaps set an intention on how you're going to mitigate that difficulty or what internal work you might need to do, some resources or books, you know, inspirational materials or whatever that may be. But as quickly as it feels right is to move into intending the positive outcome because mm. I believe that if I get clear on an outcome 
It could be anything. It could be how big my business is going to be. It could be a relationship or my home. It could be anything. When I get clear on that, you know, there's a quote, and of course it's not coming to me right now, but something to the effect of that when you get clear on your vision, all providence moves to help make it happen. Oh, I love that. And, you know, there's spiritual laws that also describe that. And, you know, the if if and this is what was happening to me early in my business. I wasn't clear. You know, today I wanted this and tomorrow I wanted something else and then the next day that. So the universe mm-hmm. is like shell shocked. It's like what mm-hmm. do you want? <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. bring you anything because I don't know what you want. Right. Clarity. Clarity. And I have proven this to myself on so many occasions when I get clear providence whatever providence means I don't even know exactly the universe comes in and I begin to see the results of that clarity am I making any sense absolutely you know and I think back on when I was still in corporate and I was single and I thought, you know, it is time. I'm in my mid-40s. I'm, it's time to draw that, um, that soulmate. I'm doing air quotes, folks. Soulmate into my life. And mm-hmm. when that person showed up and all the check bo- boxes were checked, I went, oh, my gosh. What the heck do I do now? Because I got this this perfect partner for me it's like oh this stuff really works oh my and and it was frightening the first thing it was frightening and do you find that sometimes happens with some of your clients that you know when something does show up that they've asked for it's like whoa oh yeah yeah but you know it's like the marianne williamson quote you know that we're not afraid of failure we're afraid of success we're afraid to Mm -hmm. let our light shine we're afraid to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable i mean i think Brene brown's work and vulnerability has certainly been a Mm. huge breakthrough for me Mm -hmm. because um you know as a speaker you're you're putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. and um i have not all i've you know i want to be out there because i have a message but I want to do it in a way that protects me, right? Well, you you, you can't have that both ways. <laughs> At least not to be successful. You know, but, you know, and I do some speaking as well. And I found early on, if I start off by just saying, you know, I didn't get this right. Let, let me tell you how I didn't get it right. And become relatable. Mm. I don't I don't know that people are looking for, you know, idols or demigods or anything like that to follow. And um, I, I think people are looking for, um, you know, for, for someone who's being honest, authentic, realistic, transparent. Uh, I think all of that is really important. I also think it comes through, in, whether you're a speaker or not, it comes through in your business, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And what I've also learned is that there's degrees of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Because when I first, well, not first, but the last five years, I've just made a lot of internal, personal, lot of major ahas around belief systems that I'd been carrying, didn't even know I was carrying. Um, and so um, when you do that kind of deep introspective work, um, hopefully you're going to find something, but it's going to lead you a path towards that ideal outcome, again, of getting clear because now I have all this information from sitting and being mindful uh, because I think that's another thing. People are afraid to sit. What people mm-hmm. tell me is, oh, my God, I don't want to sit quietly because the inner judge is going to beat me up. Oh, wow. And I have personally experienced that. So I knew right. exactly the first time somebody mm-hmm. told me it was like, oh, yeah. Well, I have mm-hmm. since named my inner judge CJ, critical judge. <laughs> Um, And, you know, I've developed a whole little personal methodology. When CJ is driving me crazy, I politely ask her to go to the other room. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she minds me and sometimes she doesn't. (laughs) Um, But I think I've taken us off track from your question. I'm sorry. No, I mean, um, I, I just think that it's important for all of us to, whether we are a leader to show up and be authentic as that leader. Um, The gentleman that I was mentioning before that's leading um, this company I'm working with, he is, um, he started uh, his career as a special ed teacher. So that tells you alone that he's got some empathy. Wow. Yeah. And then when, you know, he, he went into several different careers and when he, when he actually bought this company, he was smart enough not to feel like he had to be the smartest person in the room. Uh, he had to build a team of people smarter than him. Yes. Wow, isn't and, that huge? Oh, isn't, isn't that a breath of fresh air? But yes. we see what happens because just like what you're saying is when you identify a person's strength, and you allow them to hold a position that taps into that strength, look at the magic that can happen. Oh, my gosh. And how people light up when they're acknowledged for who they really are. Right. Right, because we all want to be seen for Mm -hmm. who we really are. And I think that was the point I was trying to get to a minute about authenticity. I think there's a lot of levels and layers to that. I think mm-hmm. I've always been authentic, but I haven't shared everything. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not that I think a speaker should get up there and, you know, bear all of their dirty laundry for a myriad of reasons. But mm-hmm. I think that um, touching into places that are tender, if it relates to the problem you're discussing in your speech or your presentation, is a huge trust builder with your audience. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other level of authenticity, do you think? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, And So we're talking about speaking, and I know we're coming down to the end of the show, but we're talking about speaking. And I know that you have uh, some accolades 
around speaking. Can you want to share a little bit of that with us? Well, I guess you're talking about my TED Talks. <laughs> I am. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, again, I have been so blessed in my life in so many ways. Um, so this opportunity came about several years ago. Um, I've been active in the National Speakers Association, the North Texas chapter here in Dallas for many years. And one of our members is a journalist, Dave Lieber, the watchdog um, and fantastic guy, and he was doing a special class on um, giving TED Talks because he had given a TED Talk. And so he actually brought in guest speakers, and, you know, we would sit and learn how to go about doing this. Well, one day the organizer of the, SM, the TEDx SMU, and these are like franchises, you know, mm -hmm. around the country that different people open. And so she, you know, came and gave a presentation. And just like we're taught to do, I got my little business card in my hand at the end and walked up uh, to introduce myself and gave her my card and, you know, told her some of the things that I was interested in speaking about. And, you know, she was very gracious and, you know, in those situations, you never know if you're going to hear from the person or not. Well, as it turned out, a week or two later, she reached out and she said, I'd be very interested um, in having you participate in our TEDx SMU Women that was going to be done in conjunction with the, Nash, the National TED Women Conference. And um, so we got on a phone call. I told her what I was thinking about talking about. She came up with a title not so crazy about the title, but I didn't care. I mean, it was just the opportunity to do this. Um, and it was, the first talk was about um, not living with regrets. Both mm -hmm. of my TED Talks are about aging and preparing for the end of life, which mm -hmm. I'm a very big proponent that we need to be talking about, we need to be planning for. It's not macabre, if that's the way you pronounce the word. It's not bad. It's a good thing. Anyway, and um, so I actually engaged a speaking coach uh, to help me because there is a very specific way these speeches are done. Right. And um, the woman I worked with was just like phenomenal, phenomenal at helping me because one of my weaknesses is a speaker, uh, and I'm still working to improve this today, is to include too much information. Mm. And so then it gets to be confusing or it's just, then it's not actionable because it's like, am I supposed to do the number one thing you said or the number mm. 48 thing you said? Mm. So she helped me really get focused. And um, so I gave my first TED Talk. Um, there were, I don't know, a few hundred people in the audience. And it was just, it was, it was like I was living on another planet or something. It was just so exciting. And to be given that opportunity, um, because there, I think there were only like six or seven of us. And so it was a, you know, it was a elite, well, not, I don't want to call myself elite, but, you know, it was a very small group of people. And then they invited me back that fall um, to give a different talk also on aging, but this one was about celebrating age. 
and that we should not, you know, um, fight it, hate it, you know, that there's a lot that comes with age that is absolutely to be celebrated. Um, And so both of those TED Talks are on my website and on my YouTube channel, and um, it was a just an amazing experience. I appreciate you bringing that up because it sits with me to this day, those experiences. Well, congratulations on that. That is certainly quite an honor. And so you've kind of um, given me the opportunity to say, Anne, if someone is wanting to know more about you, your coaching, maybe um, speaking engagements, where would they find more about you and how they might be able to work with you? Okay, thank you, Linda. So my website is my name, uh, Ann Ranson. That's all N's as in Nancy. Most people want to spell it Ransom, but it's Ranson, and I have no E on the end of Ann. So it's A-N-N-R-A-N-S-O-N.com. And that's how you'll find me on LinkedIn or my um, YouTube channel. Uh, On my website, you'll find information about my coaching packages. Something we didn't have a chance to talk about is uh, something called the Transformation Game that is a board game, but it's really a powerful tool for self-discovery. This is why I mean about all of a sudden it's occurring to me, all these things that I love doing, working with people, all are about self-discovery because that's where the power is, right? The power is not with me. The power is within each of the people that I have the privilege to work with. Um, So you'll find out about the transformation game. You know, my background, um, I've got some free resources on the website, and I do offer a uh, complimentary uh, discovery call. So if somebody, you know, thinks they need some help but they don't know what they need, um, I'm happy to jump on a call, kind of talk through your circumstances, see if I'm a good resource. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But I have a good network, and so often I can um, pass along your information to somebody that may be a better fit than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could go on talking with you for another hour or so. So yes. because of that, I'd love to have you back on the show, and let's talk maybe about, um, maybe about what, it, what it looks like to implement some of the strengths once they've gone through the strengths, of what that looks like to implement it in life and in work and how to really take that information to, you know, get, get the best out of life just by using what you've got. Well, I would love that because you've really hit on what I think is an often overlooked and yet the most important piece of any transformative work, and that is implementation. Absolutely. When I first started doing strategic planning for nonprofits, I did not have an implementation plan component in my process. Mm -hmm. And I would leave an organization, and did they ever do anything that – because they're the ones right i mean i physically am writing it but it's their ideas it's their information do they ever use it and so implementation is critical i would love to come back and talk about implementation that that's really you've hit on such an important aspect of any kind of growth yeah i appreciate that and and again 
I've so enjoyed having you on the show today. One more time, what is your website and how can they find out more information about you? Thank you. It's Ann Ranson, A-N-N-R-A-N-S-O-N.com. My email is Ann at Ann Ranson. So if you can remember my name, you can get in touch with me. And Linda, this has just been delightful. I can't believe it's been an hour. It's like flown by. And I too feel like we could talk for a few more days. I think so, and and we will find those few more days, and it, and we will bring those those conversations to you, folks. So you won't be missing out. We'll certainly have Anne back on the show soon. Thanks so much, Anne. Thank you. So, folks, you know, Anne has a great point about you know working with your strengths and uh, discovering your intention. Um, I hope you were taking notes because I certainly was, and I can hardly wait to have her back on the show next time. So as always, I leave you with a quote. This is a a Wayne Dwyer quote, and it goes like this. The power of intention is the power to manifest, to create, to live a life of unlimited abundance, and to attract into your life the right people at the right moments. Sounds like something that you might be interested in? Me too. Hope to see you next time. Thanks for joining me today on All Things Franchising. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.